Hello and welcome to Rise the Victor. My name's Chris Mean, your host, and... I'm back again. Yeah, I, I got wife. invited back yes. from the first episode. Yes. Wow. I've obviously done something good. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm Chris's wife. So, what are we talking about crime. today? What are we talking about, Chris? Yeah. So we're going to talk about trauma. What is trauma? Right. Okay. So Over to you. I have to do this in a you know, quiet methodical way because I can as I keep being pointed out my wife I get very technical <laughs> very quick uh, when I'm explaining this um, because I have to tell this on a frequent daily basis for clients so trauma is when we experience an event or a situation where there's perceived threat or danger to us and there's an attachment and meaning to the outcome of that event so you know, you may have heard that you're told that you're only born with two fears, a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Well, in fact, you know, there are other con- unconditional threats which um, you're actually um, conditioned for as well. And those threats are called unconditional threats, which stimulate a response. Whenever, I will come back to that word again, the amygdala, and they're part of the brain which is responsible for fight fight your your gatekeeper your protector okay whenever your amygdala recognizes any of these unconditional threats then it will provide a response in some way to protect you to make you aware of whatever that perceived threat and just some of those unconditional threats are being abandoned now obviously as a baby You know, if your mother is not around you and you feel abandoned, then naturally you cannot survive without your mother looking after you, caring for you. And abandonment can be when we feel that we're not being cared for, looked after, and and many people experience abandonment in their childhoods from partners, uh, uh, parents, leaving relationships from people um, finding a, a part someone they, in their life is is, is uh, suddenly gone so abandonment is is one of the, uh, one of the most powerful unconditional threats um, of course then there's a, the threat of being killed which is clearly you know going to be pretty a strong response somatic pains having pain inflicted upon us heights of fear heights uh, suffocation now suffocation is an interesting one because um some of the responses we may have when the amygdala responds, um, we may have shortness of breath and hyperventilate. And that can feel that sense of fear, suffocation, but you can't catch your breath. Okay, so often people can fear that, that, that they're, they're, they're going to stop breathing or not be able to breathe properly. So suffocation is often um, triggered when people hyperventilate. And then we have um, being trapped. Now, being trapped is really common when we think about social anxiety, where we may be in a social situation. Maybe we're doing a presentation at work, whether or not we're in a social gathering and we don't feel comfortable and we want to make an escape. And your amygdala will fire off a response, depending on the severity, to make you want to escape to get out of there. Then we have... Can I just say something? Yeah. So if anyone's just been listening to what Chris has been saying and it started to cause any little symptoms or anything that's starting mm. to 
go inside them because I know listening to some of those if, if you're suffering from anxiety or panic or trauma yourself and what Chris has just said might yeah start to trigger off a few symptoms can you just give them something quickly to just run yeah. through to just sort of distance themselves so it's yeah look detached. you know the thing is is that when we think about something uh, when someone's conversing with you or you're listening to something you have to go inside your head and find meaning as to what that person is saying and consequently if that meaning has attachment of a fear or anxiety then it can trigger off responses and that's why on chrismedenonline.com website there are exercises you can do which can desensitize you if you feel triggered in any way as i talk about these these subjects okay so they can go on there and if, if yeah. you know go through some little top tips and yeah exercises, some techniques which and will ground you to increase your levels of serotonin <sighs> just get yourself feeling calmer you can breathe relax calm yeah. everything's okay all right cool yeah so 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 we have been trapped we have open spaces now open spaces often you know we can be maybe feeling exposed and vulnerable and then we have predators naked bear based and um, ground based um, and more that's more primitive things but uh, and then we can have threats actually which we've learned through epigenetics now epigenetics that's a what's that mean well your parents can learn fears which are passed on through your dna so that you can experience those fears as well so thank uh, you pretty cool isn't it really <laughs> Um, sharing depend, is caring <laughs> d- depending on, on what those fears are um, but effectively you know we whenever we look at any of the conditions we have for anxiety or PTSD or panic attacks we can always pretty much drill it back to one of these unconditional threats in some way you know the threat that you, so we are your amygdala is always in the background assessing your environment for any risk any danger to you and cross-examining to those those unconditional threats, but then also the learnt experiences you accumulate in your lifetime. So our amygdala is a yeah. really good thing, isn't it, for us? Keeps Absolutely. us safe. Absolutely. So we want to make friends with our amygdala. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm often I think the amygdala is... Um, be people talk about fight or flight. And, and oh, it's so much it more than that. It's such a, such a huge generalisation that it does yeah. so much. You know, it's a it's a repository for every learnt experience which is perceived threatening or dangerous to you. To you, now that doesn't have to be life threatening. It can uh, it can be a sense of humiliation, embarrassment. It can be situations which have occurred, and from the point of learning, that experience is always looking out for you. Now, where the amygdala uh, falls short is. It doesn't know the difference between whether or not you're remembering a past experience, experiencing something in real time now through your senses, okay, or whether or not you're catastrophizing a future possible outcome of a situation. Whatever you bring into your mind, your amygdala will process it. This is it's happening now. So it's important to think about that because our amygdala can fire off response and say, hey, pay attention, there's a perceived threat, a danger, and you might get a whoosh of adrenaline in your body. But then it's your thinking which then amplifies the response because what happens is often we attach a meaning to a sensation we have in our body to a potential outcome, a disaster, having a panic attack or having some embarrassment or humiliation or fearing some negative outcome. 
and your brain, your amygdala processes that catastrophe and then fires off a stronger response. So there's very much attachment where your amygdala saying, uh, is in the background assessing your environment for risks and dangers to you based on those unconditional threats, but also the learned experiences you accumulate over your lifetime. And as soon as it sees a pattern of similarity to one of those learned experiences, it will say, hey, pay attention. Uh, there, there's a potential threat or, or risk to you. And then you get a physical response in your body, maybe emotional response. And then it's from that point how we attach meaning to that response it can then escalate it out of control if we're not careful. So this, you had a client, I think, who was in the London bombings. Is that right? Yeah. You went through, obviously, horrendous, horrendous time. And from that moment was always was triggered and was getting panic attacks when in, in going on tubes or yeah. in with lots of crowds of people. There was lots of things that from that trauma he was going through. Or was it she? Sorry. I yeah, yeah. She was actually she, a, yeah. uh, one of the station managers of one of the underground stations actually affected by it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she had PTSD um, as a result of it. And ultimately she had a huge responsibility because of uh, um, responsible for one of the large, larger uh, underground stations at the time. And what happens is that when we encode trauma, the brain encodes the context of where you are, whatever the activity you're doing, and whatever the perceived threat or danger is. So in the case of the bombings, obviously there was a lot of panic. There's a lot of people running around and really fearful. So there's uh, people experiencing fear. And consequently that triggered fear in the individual understandably but then that fear gets attached to the environment so whether or not you're on a tube whether or not you're you know going down an escalator or stairs now your amygdala takes your five senses so visually auditory sounds gustatory smell taste and olfactory an olfactory okay so see here uh, yes yeah, smell uh, uh, taste and kinesthetic has it yeah. <laughs> so so the thing is is that um you can experience the heat which is quite interesting a lot of times mm. when people have panic attacks uh, they fear getting hot yeah. and then that triggers because it's a sense which is encoded at that point of in trauma like the smell so in the underground there's certain smells and certain aspects of the environment uh, which are very specific for being underground so you can be triggered by any one of your five senses they could be um, to, listening to a certain track or something yeah, on that, on yeah. Their, uh, so, so you know if, if, you've got, if you're listening to music at the time of, uh, of in, uh, a traumatising event that music is co-encoded with that experience and every time you, it's, it's like I'm sure if you imagine just you're in the car and you've got the radio on and a song pops on. Oh, I remember a great time with a friend, a boyfriend, your girlfriend or whatever. Or I remember that person I ate today. <laughs> we have a memory. That it jogs the memory yeah. and the association we have in that memory to a, to a place, a time, an individual situation. And it's the same for, your, for uh, an amygdala-based encoded memory. It's the situation where... It's encoded, and then from the point of that encoding, your body, that memory can be re-triggered based on experiencing a pattern of similarity. 
Um, so the problem is the brain does one of three things. It does deletion, distortion, and generalization of information. So what can happen is that your brain will look for uh, generalizing certain uh, information. So this is where, for example, the fear of going on public transport. If you have a panic attack on a tube, and say, for instance, the London tubes, okay, you know, often they're crammed, they're very busy, and they can be very hot, and sometimes the trains stop between stations. Now, if you feel trapped at that moment and feel like you, you, you an escalation of anxiety and have a panic attack, then straight away that in memory is encoded. But part of that memory was movement. So the movement of the train is encoded with that experience. So and being claustrophobic, maybe the temperature, okay, feeling uneasy because the adrenaline starts to flow in your body. So as a result, your body, your your brain encodes that trauma. So what do we do? We start using coping mechanisms like I'll take a bottle of water with me, or, or I'll, I'll avoid using the tube. I'll I'll try and you know use the overground services instead. And then what happens is that that tr- that that encoded memory can then also get triggered by being on a bus because the bus there's movement and there's busyness so likewise it can be a tube a tube is a tube an airplane is a tube okay with wings on okay so your brain generalizes these transport mechanisms to an association of a past experience so consequently it starts in one thing then it generalizes to another then another and then another and then we start to do avoidance so very much when people have anxiety, the easiest course of action is is avoiding a situation or circumstance. And then, we, you know, if we're left untreated, it becomes more and more of an issue and more and more things become trigger points. So consequently, you become more withdrawn, more inwardly focused and less engaging the outside world with, with, with life. And that's really where your amygdala is overprotecting you. Yep. Absolutely. But, you know, the thing is, is that we are all to a certain extent throughout our lives are going to be traumatized by different events, situations, relationship breakdowns, family issues, uh, you know, uh, bereavements. You know, we will all will experience some level of trauma. I think the, the word trauma, a lot of people think of it to be something that has to be really massive. Uh, yeah, often people think, oh, it's got to be a really life changing moment, you know, bombing or some terrorist attack or, you know, some, some you know, a fatality. No, it doesn't. It can, and the thing is, the more we have in society now, is we're being triggered more because we're, as human beings, far more stressed out. We have often worse a diet now than we've had before, so that has factors in our, you know, we're just one big chemistry set, yeah, and, and our levels of cortisol and adrenaline are defined by what we eat and what we express, what we I express just, I ourselves. I just had a, a sort of image in my mind that we're one big chemistry set. Just yeah, imagining yeah. us all being actually see-through we can yeah. all see inside the workings and our brain and all those chemicals yeah it'd be nice to you know, if you think about the um those sand those sand uh timers and you've got the different layers of colors mm. of sand so, okay this used to get those at the isle of Wight. that's right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um because ultimately you know our chemi- chemical makeup is made up by the experiences we have but also our thoughts you know if you think about thoughts okay a thought can elicit a happy memory a negative memory we can think to the future and have aspiration and, and desire and excitement and motivation but also at the same time we we can create sadness you know 
trepidation, whatever. And with every one of those emotions is a different chemical makeup inside your body. So it's very much understanding that we are we are a big chemistry set and our thoughts define our chemical makeup and you know we want to stack in our favor to be more resilient more healthy yeah because knowing how to change your own chemistry Mm. rather than than just reaching out for medication synthetics and that doing it for you you can actually do it yourself it's knowing how to do it and that's well, yeah, massive. yeah. And the problem when, when someone's traumatised and they get some doctors and get some antidepressants, the worst of it is, is that when someone starts the medication, often the symptoms of the person that's experiencing become significantly worse before getting better. So typically it can take a month for these drugs to kick in, but, but before those drugs kick in properly, the symptoms of the whole reason of why you've gone to the doctors get amplified and often can show up in panic attacks and all kinds of things. So what that does to the individual, it makes them form a belief that they're worse than what they were. But because it's the drugs which is stimulating those responses. So that's why some people will go on them and go, oh my God, they're horrible and they don't want to take them and, and because it was just horrible side effects. But there's some people who will persevere and go for it, but then they find themselves on them these drugs for years because they're too afraid to come mm-hmm. off of them because of how they were just as they went on to it. So, you know, it, it is a, a bit of a double-edged sword because ultimately you're forming a belief of your how you're reacting, responding, based on a chemically-induced response until such times as the drug kicks in and starts to do what it's supposed to do. Okay, so going back to your your describing explaining about trauma, so yeah, gone through the unconditional threats. Yeah, so so effectively, you know, you're from a point of traumatization, the landscape of your brain becomes more vulnerable for future encoding of trauma. So consequently, so yeah, that explains. So that, well, I was going to say that explains why some people say, "Why does it always happen to me? Why yeah. does this keep happening?" Mm. Well, you know, I'm sure if you think about like there's times where something happens to, you know, maybe to two people at the same time. Yeah, one person just gets up and gets on with life and doesn't seem to be impacted, and the other person's like struggling. Yeah. So like, why why is that happening? But why is that? Why am I having all this stuff? And it's very much about the con- the, the conditioning that each individual has had. So your environment which you're brought up in the we have different factors in terms of you know did you be brought up in a, a, fa- a stable family environment you know was it was a love and attention you know was uh, uh, different aspects of you know kind of be cultural pressures there can be so many different factors which determine whether or not someone is going to be vulnerable in their life to trauma so what i've found is that when I'm working with clients, uh, every client for me sees fears in a personal history. So they t- put their age in and I see everything which has happened, gone on, because that gives me an insight as to what, what the workings of the amygdala is and why it's accumulated the responses. Um, so you're like a detective, yeah. a mind detective. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> um, uh, and from the information of all the different events, and you know, often people don't remember everything, that's okay, but I can get a good idea as to what's going on. We are able to recognise well, what are the trigger points and why a person is being triggered again by something. 
Take, for example, an abusive relationship. So if a person's been in an abusive relationship, whether it's been verbally or mentally abusive, or worse still, sexually abusive, if um, that relationship comes to an end and the person finds himself in a, in a normal, caring relationship with someone, if that person who is uh, uh, caring in a new partner, new caring relationship, displays any of the traits or the behaviours of a person who was abusive in the past, in the past relationship, then your amygdala will recognise that and potentially trigger off a reaction or overreaction to whatever that behaviour may be. And it can be an extreme response and to the person who's completely innocent in relationship will be like, whoa, hang on a minute, what's happened here? This is way over top response but because the person's been conditioned because of the past learned experiences in previous relationships your amygdala doesn't do doesn't um, differentiate between the two as soon as the person displays any behavior which is similar to that past person innocently the amygdala will trigger it so hey it's just like that time yeah so this is really where why clearing the events of the past is so important because we're effectively ripping out those learned experiences out of, out of your book of learning so that your amygdala isn't overreacting over responding. Could somebody say, what, what happens if you, you sort of change my brain chemistry, if you remove those memories, those I'm not protected anymore? Yeah, uh, and look, you know, the thing is that your amygdala will always protect you you can't switch it off but you know if you think about if your life if you couldn't if you didn't experience fear fear is good okay fear keeps you alive if you didn't have fear you'd walk in front of a bus yeah and be, yeah or you do something where you didn't realize okay so fear is important response which we have to keep us safe to protect us now you know the response um it means that um yeah we can remove the association of a fear because you still learned from the experience because cognitively the experience is encoded in the prefrontal lobe you have the understanding of this behavior or this situation was wrong or whatever the situation was but what we're able to do is remove the negative associated emotional physical responses to the event of how that person or how the situation came about. So there's no longer the emotional charge, the physical response, whatever, but you'll still protect yourself going forward. Yeah, because it's not about a deleting or raising a memory so you know you never knew it happened. You still want to have that and that insight. So for example, if someone's been raped then they want to be sure that they protect themselves and they don't place themselves in a situation however that came about. You wouldn't want to remove it and then not know and then repeat the same thing. It's recognising that you understand what happened, you take your insight and wisdom from that learning, that experience, but you're no longer experiencing negative associated emotional physical responses. And that's an important thing because you know ultimately we can hold on to stuff which has happened many many years ago which then impacts our life in a current day and of course you know it can impact our how we interact with other people how whether or not we open up to people whether or not we show our emotions whether or not we are vulnerable we, we allow ourselves to be vulnerable uh, all of these things are all conditioned about our experiences of the past yeah some people as a defensive mechanism will shut off their emotions because they're too afraid 
of getting hurt again and that's an understandable response but then obviously then from that they're living a life with less of a richer experience i mean this you know this the topic this this is so interesting i wish this sort of thing was we'd learned this at school oh you know it's we just never get taught these things when we're younger and I, I think we've got three-year-old twins and I really want them to have a better understanding of how their mind works mm-hmm. and what happens to them to have a more understanding of their emotions and feelings and, and their reactions and responses mm-hmm. to things and I think we're in a fortunate position or they're in a position where obviously both you and I have learnt a lot about how the brain works neuroscience mm-hmm. and how we can change and, and take responsibility for, responsibility for ourselves. So, yeah, anyway, I'm t- I forgot the point I was getting well, to. I think, I think you know, it's interesting when I'm working with people is that um, uh, we're not very we're often not very in tune with our emotions and the different types of emotions we experience. So part of the process of when, when working with someone is you start to become more aware of the emotions of what 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 is triggering uh you know effectively I, we clear all negative associated emotions of guilt or shame or blame sadness hurt frustration whatever it may be but often lots of times people aren't necessarily identifying those initially unless it's pointed out to them but as you go through it it's like anything you learn it and then you understand oh okay i'm experiencing that because of this uh, and you can start to you know almost it's, it is a bit like a um magnifying glass on your emotions and uh, on your life and a bit like Sherlock Holmes you're looking for those clues but then they, they start to show up and you start to recognize just how you're acting responding and as a res- uh, and how, as a result of traumatization which happened in previous experiences uh, in the past so you know traumatization from a point of traumatization changes your beliefs your behaviors your responses to your environment and situations so the more traumatized you become the more impact is going to have on your life but it's not to say it can't change because you know that's ultimately what we do is we are able to reverse those associations so that you can go out and live your life free from those absolutely gosh yes i think so many people could could do with that right now Hmm. Uh, and and, you know we will go into each different uh, uh, you know anxiety social anxiety general anxiety disorders and and all the different uh, aspects of that what is uniquely to those i may all they all cross over actually quite significantly Mm. uh it's the same process we're doing is just slightly different context cool okay do you want to wrap that up yeah yeah so if you have any questions or um well, uh, definitely any, any questions, suggestions, yeah, suggestions suggestions for future episodes then you can email us on uh, podcast at chrismeden.com or you can go to chrismedenonline.com and you can post questions there and uh, information also there's resources there to deal with um various things and access to online courses which we have so yeah and you know do share these uh, uh these episodes you feel they're maybe helpful for others and um we will lots more up coming up yeah yep. cool okay. thanks chris see you later bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.